This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Shade Bernie Scott. She is a Black Southern, seventh generation, native North Carolinian, feminist, mother, and healer with decades of experience in nonprofit leadership, philanthropy, and social justice. Uh, she is a founding tribe member of Spirit House and previously served as a board member of the Beautiful Project, Village of Wisdom, and Working Films. She's also the creator of The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, a multimedia project seeking to curate and share the stories and realities of Black women and femmes over 50. A graduate of UNC Chapel Hill, the proud mama of two sons, and a resident of Durham, North Carolina. Omishade, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my goodness. That was the best intro ever. <laughs> I, I, I love a good intro because I, I love having great conversations uh, with really awesome people. And, you know, the, the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, just the title in and of itself is a bit, it, it sits heavy in the ear, right? Because we are, mm -hmm. there's, there's this conflation <laughs> of black girlhood, of menopause, which is something we tend to always affiliate or associate with older women uh, or older femmes. And, you know, I'm realizing that even though I am not yet at the phase of life where I am experiencing menopause, it's right over there, over yonder. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's like I see mm -hmm. it off in the distance. But I realize <laughs> that when I think about going from girlhood into menopausalhood, uh, if we can call it that, mm -hmm. considering the dismal state of reproductive education in this country, you know, I can't even assume we all even understand what menopause actually is. So before we even get to all of the mm -hmm. complexities of navigating that phase of life, can you just let the audience know? Know what it actually is and when someone is navigating through menopause what is it that is happening within their bodies what is it that they are experiencing one because half of us again don't know what it is and the those of us who think we know what it is have only heard about it in snippets from the older folks in our lives we need a real re-education what the heck are we talking uh, about we we do need a real re-education I, I so i want to be very clear with folks i am not a clinician a doctor or a public health person i'm a social justice advocate and found my way into wanting to have these conversations because of my experience personally but also because of my background in reproductive justice so mm. very short and to the point menopause is the permanent ceasing of your period after a 12-month period of time because of a reduction um, in your estrogen levels or your estrogen hormone levels. So what that means in layman's terms, you don't have a period for 365 days consecutively. Mm. And on that 366th day, you are considered menopausal. Now, culturally and societally, we know that menopause is a whole experience and there are stages in menopause. There's perimenopause, that menopausal moment where you're like, oh, I haven't had a cycle for a full calendar year, and then post-menopause. And because we live in a society that pathologizes and problematizes women's bodies, people who are women-identified, gender-expansive people, people of color, then we find ourselves kind of in the dark, rooting around, trying to figure out well, what's happening with me. Is, is this happening in a natural way? Mm -hmm. Has it been expedited because of some medical issue? So there are a lot of conversations that we don't have because we don't like to talk about bodies and we don't like to talk about reproductive justice. 
Where does that come from? Like, I, I feel like I, I know, but I, I also feel like, you know, it seems like when it comes to every single aspect of, of understanding how our bodies function, particularly women-identified bodies, there is not even mm-hmm. a, a lack of education. There's almost sometimes a sense of shame, uh, a sense of embarrassment, mm-hmm. you know, talking about a period or a menstrual cycle. Like, these are the, shh, can't do that in gosh now. We'll save that conversation for when we get in the car, right? So you, there's almost like a, a resistance to uh, this discussing and, and, and having conversations about our bodies in a way that feels to me like it, it is very stigmatized. What is the root of that? <clears throat> yeah, I think the stigma and the taboo about talking about bodies and sexuality and reproduction is, is rooted in patriarchy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it is, is rooted in these systems that say, hey, I don't want to talk about your body. I think that I should actually have control over your body. I don't want to talk about your gender identity. I don't want to talk about your sexual expression. I want to have control over how you identify. I want to have control over how you express yourself sexually. And so when you think about a person who might be experiencing menopause, then it, it, it bans out into that conversation as well. And we, we also know that there um, are problems that exist inside of the medical industrial complex in terms of how black bodies are perceived, mm-hmm. how we are treated, the type of care that we receive. So it's a mixed bag of, of, of toxic stew oftentimes that we find ourselves trying to navigate when we're thinking about how our bodies change. And as our bodies are changing, how we are able to understand what's happening to our bodies and access exquisite care. Mm. You know, when I, I was looking at your website and I, cause I'm just in preparation for what it was we were going to talk about. And there are so, some of the th- mm-hmm. phrases that started flashing through my mind, like private summer and hot flashes and all of these sort of <laughs> things that these are things that, that, you know, that popular culture will highlight, like, you know, that you will see that in a sitcom where a woman uh, who is considered menopausal will have a hot flash and that will be an entire subject mm-hmm. of, a, of a comedic bit. But when that's happening in your real life experience and you don't necessarily have the, the community to, to discuss it or to talk about it. You know, I feel like that's a very far cry from what used to happen in our communities where, uh, and I don't want to, you know, I, I don't like having this, let's look back at ancient Africa with this beautiful magical brush where we, you know, painted as everything <laughs> perfect. But I do feel, Omashade, I, I do feel as though in, in indigenous communities, there was a healthier, more holistic approach to navigating these types of conversations. I, I feel like it wasn't a, a source of information that was sort of being withheld from people in the way that we see it now. Mm. Can you talk to us a bit about the ways that a healthier society would be navigating conversations about menopause? And I'm asking that particularly because it's very difficult to understand what can be if you don't know that it already exists or has existed in other spaces. So what would it look like if we had a healthier approach to navigating this conversation? Right. I think that if we had a healthier approach, we could um, look to the different ways that indigeneity experiences rites of passage, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so many different cultures around the world and, and, and in the United States as well, where we have either formal rites of passages that are in alignment with the different changes that we go through physiologically in our lifetimes. And then there are also cultural rites of passages. And, um, and menopause is a rites of passage in the same way that Many um, young girls um, are taken through a rites of passage as they begin the process 
of starting their cycle, starting their menses, and all of the rites and rituals that are associated with that, um, that's typically associated also with fertility, right? And the power that people understand around fertility. Fertility allows us to continue to exist as a species, right? It, it allows us to have legacy. It allows us to have family. Um, and it gives us meaning. It's, it's a core part of our culture. But it is not the only thing that is associated with who we are as women or women-identified people, because not everybody who has a womb or has a uterus or ovaries wants to be a mom, wants to have children, mm-hmm. or can have children. And so I think culturally speaking, um, if we were able to kind of pull ourselves out of some of these kind of systems of oppression that really want to kind of like marginalize what's happening to people, there's so much power in this space that I consider another rites of passage. It's kind of a liminal space of moving from one iteration of who you are to the next iteration. And we see in different cultures around the world how that is honored and valued and respected and is actually a real core part of that community. You know, elder women, elder women identify gender expansive people in their communities are looked to for their knowledge and their wisdom. And also the second part of your life is a part of your life where you can take risks and be creative. And you also still have really good sex. I want to say that so people don't get it twisted. Okay, let's see. That's what I love. Let's let's go right there. So there is also there is also um, this idea that as women age and I say women, uh, women identified people, because this does not apply to male identified people. Uh, There is still a a preservation Mm -hmm. of of the sexy for male identified people that we don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have a counterpart for uh, with women. There was an article uh, just a few weeks ago or a few days ago that came out. uh, uh, There was a supermodel and her name escapes me at the moment. Uh, But she was talking about the fact that, you know, she doesn't do uh, she doesn't do any body alteration surgery she doesn't get any you know the Botox she's got the wrinkles that are there that they, she's like this is who I am this is how I show up and she talks about going mm-hmm. from being pursued uh, by by men and, and being seen as this sex symbol to still feeling as sexy as she always did but not eliciting mm-hmm. the same response from broader society there is a real mythology around aging for women that is a, includes within it a diminishing of our sexual drive a diminishment of our sexual sexual mm-hmm. uh, uh, desirability. Talk to us about that myth and, and then let's help dispel it because, you know, like I said, it's, it's not, I'm not at that age yet, but I see it over yonder. I don't plan on giving up my sexy and I don't think any woman should have to consider uh, giving up no. or sacrificing that. Talk to us about that. And I agree with you. I think that that was Paulina Periscova. Yes. uh, She recently, yeah, I think she recently did an article. We both had an opportunity to be on a platform called Style Like You, which Mm. talks to people about how we experience our aging bodies. So here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, You know, sex is taboo. In our, in our country, right, yep. in our society. It's, ta- it's a taboo topic. And I, what I have been really happy to see um, over the last several years is the, um, the amount and the increase of sex positivity conversations, mm. um, making space for people to talk about pleasure, whether pleasure is derived from your sexual encounters or intimacy, or pleasure that is derived with yourself and how you experience pleasure and intimacy. There's a difference between diminishing and changing. And I mm. want to be clear about that. As your Ooh, body changes, Wait, wait, wait. You got to wh- say that again. Oh, my God. That hit me so hard. There's a difference between... Say that again. There's a difference between diminishing and changing. Mm. Right? So the experience is... So I'll be 55 in April. 
And I would dare say that how I experience intimacy, sexual pleasure has changed, but it has not mm. diminished. And so what I desire, what I seek, what I require, what I need, what I want is not what it was when I was 30 or 40 even. Mm. And that's, that's okay because we're always evolving. You know, we're, you know, we're emergent. There's, you know, there's this iterative nature of who we are as people and we don't, diminish, but it might change. And I think the mythology about women is that because it's changing, you should just put it on the shelf and let it go. Right. And I don't believe that at all. I be and because we conflate menopause with aging, then the trope becomes if you're a menopausal person, that you're hot, sweaty, and you're angry, and all of the things that you thought were possible for you have just gone to basically hell in a handbasket. Mm. And that's not true either. Mm. You are changing, but you're, that change, you can have um, agency over what's happening with your body. Um, you can advocate for better care around what's happening for your body. And you can have more transparent conversations with your friends, your family, your partners, your lovers around what's happening so that they can be co-conspirators while you're navigating this change. Mm, I love that. You know, I, I saw a meme earlier this week uh, that was talking about, you know, in the wake of, of Betty White from the Golden Girls and, and so mm. many other projects. Mm. Uh, but it showed a picture of the Golden Girls in their first season. And, it, and another uh, s image had a picture of the women who are part of the Sex and the City crew. And apparently the mm -hmm. women who are part of the Sex and the City crew are actually older at this point uh, than the Golden Girls were when they were uh, first in their debut. And it talked about the fact that, you know, with the hairstyling and the dress, how they were able to appear so much more old uh, in age than they actually were. And the same thing was in the opposite for the women on Sex in the City. And this idea uh, that your sexuality is sort of limited to how we physically see you and your ability to enjoy your sexuality is limited to the age category that society sort of places you in. So I, I'm, I'm really glad for you sort of kicking that myth over on its side, which is exactly mm -hmm. where it needs to be. Talk to us about your, uh, your program Black Girls Guide to Menopause. What resources do you provide there? It feels like a just a beautiful communal space. How can people who are sort of in the beginning of this process, who have questions about this process, who are looking side eye at auntie, like what the heck is going on, trying to figure out what this process <laughs> is? Talk to us about the the support that you offer and why it is so valuable uh, for women who are navigating and women identified persons who are navigating this space in this transition period in their lives. Oh, sure. Thank you for that question. So the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause is a, a multimedia project. So we have a podcast. We are about to launch season four at the end of this first quarter. Oh, congratulations. We also intentionally, oh, thank you. And we also intentionally host intergenerational storytelling conversations. Because like the conversation that you and I are having, I love that you can say, I see it over yonder. It's around the <laughs> corner. It's waiting for me. It is. And so this conversation that you and I are having to me is an exemplar of like, what's an intergenerational conversation that's possible where you can be frank and candid around how we're both experiencing our bodies, the things that we both want, how we both experience pleasure, how we might experience grief or rage or taking a risk to be creative or advocacy, like all of those conversations through story, first person narratives is what we try to offer people. We also have a publication that's called Messages from the Menopausal Multiverse. It's a zine. Right. Um, we have two, yeah, so we have two editions of the zine. We just released our last edition of the zine back in December around motherhood and mothering. Um, mm. And 
we, we also um, engage in advocacy work because it's hard for me. As someone who's been doing social justice work for almost 27 years, it's hard to take that hat off. I don't want to take that hat off. And so mm. trying to figure out ways in which we expand the spectrum of conversation, policy work, intersectional research around menopause and aging as it relates to reproductive justice is a really important thing for us. And we use our platform to talk about that because what we often see is that the conversations around menopause from a policy, public health, or medical perspective still centers white cis hetero women. And that Mm. means that we're leaving out people who experience menopause in their 30s or 20s because of medical conditions or because they are going through um, treatment with testosterone or hormone treatment to be more in alignment with their gender identity or they've had a hysterectomy. And so there's so many assumptions that we make about who will experience menopause and how they will Mm. experience it, which lets me know that there's a lot of work that we need to do around research and around policy change. So that way uh, we can uh, address that appropriately. So that's, that's Mm. kind of what we do. Um, I love the storytelling aspect. Every time we ask someone to share their stories, we get an emphatic yes. Matter of fact, last Mm. year we had Lou Nell um, on the show. And she was, it was, it was very much like having this kind of conversation with your favorite auntie. She was so candid. She was so honest and it. hilarious. And also, I think, very vulnerable about like, listen, you know, here's some real truths about being an older black comet who's a woman mm. who's experienced menopause. And here's some things that y'all don't need to assume about me. So we tried to have a, a breadth of conversations. Um, I was very intentional as someone who identifies as a cis hetero black woman that I knew that my voice Um, was important, but I didn't want to further marginalize people who don't identify as women and being able to create Mm. a space for their stories to be valid as well. I love that. I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if there's, we we only have just a minute or so left, but I'm I'm mindful of the fact that you are a gift and, and there's a lot of wisdom that you hold and we're only able to squeeze out just 30 minutes of it into this space and time. But if you had, Mm -hmm. you said that you're 55 years old, if you could look back at your 40 year old self, uh, your 35 year old Mm. self and think about what it is that you wish you knew then about menopause that you know now, what would that be? Mm. I would try to get myself ready for the base camp. One of the ways that we end our podcast every time is we say welcome to the dark side of the moon. What we have created with a black girl's guide is a glamping base camp for folk. <laughs> it's like the light's going to be on, get your provisions. I would want to tell my 30, 30 year old self, my 40 year old self, the journey is continuing. You're going to mm. continue to change. Don't give up on your body. Don't believe the hype. You are deserving of love and care, and you are going to experience change, but it's not the end. It's a transformation, baby. So keep going. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. I hope we can get you to come back and talk more about the reproductive justice work that you're doing. Uh, I think this is absolutely the, the, this is the, there's this phrase or this hashtag that I use that, you know, hashtag we solve our problems best. It's a very long hashtag, so it's probably not very good, but I feel like these types of solutions (laughs) that you have created um, are a real example of what it means to have the best and the brightest within us really create opportunities to help guide other people who are coming along the same pathway 
pathway. It has been a real pleasure having you here. Uh, this is not the last time I want to have this conversation. So I hope we can look to you to come back uh, because this is something that we need to be way more mindful of. Uh, we have a lot of commitment to, to upholding reproductive justice topics in this space and time. And I'm so glad that this is part of that conversation. So a Black Girl's Guide to Menopause, you guys can check them out online, Black Girl's Guide to survivingmenopause.com, I should say, Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. We're going to share the link to this uh, on our social. Uh, Omishade, it's been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. And we're going to leave the light on for you. <laughs> Thank you. I see it. It's over yonder. <laughs> I'm coming. 